0: for the opportunity to meet this morning and to talk about your love, about the love of the Father, and Lord, your love is is big and wide and deep and as high as the heavens are above the earth, and it has the power to um, give life and to heal deep wounds, Lord, and to forgive and to do so much, and so I pray that we would all leave here, um, regardless of where we're at, um, with a deeper understanding of your love. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so when I usually meet people in North England, I tell them I'm an American, especially a Southerner. I usually get all these stereotypes immediately cast upon me, like he's probably extremely obnoxious and uh, loud, and he's a redneck, and he shoots guns and all this stuff. And uh, I just want to let you know, you know, those are all true. <laughs> I actually am like that. Uh, so yeah, and if I say something that doesn't make sense, ask Jai later. He can translate, because Jai knows me quite well. Um Basically, so I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, which is kind of in, in the southern United States. It's a wonderful place. But you get lots of times, you'll find these hillbillies have these big pickup trucks. So they'll be driving down the highway, and you'll find this bumper sticker on the back of the car that says, Jesus loves you or God loves you. Um, or in other situations, you have these farmers on highways. I don't know if it's like this in England. And they'll get a billboard on the edge of their like, cornfield or something, and they'll put Jesus loves you on it. I don't know if that exists here. I've heard in Old Trapper there's a famous guy who holds up a John 316 sign behind the, the goal. Is that true? Yeah? Ben's nodding. Okay. Somebody said he's like the famous John 316 guy, but apparently he's not that famous. Um, so you see that all over the place. I feel like for Christians a lot of times that's, like uh, that's like the game stopper in a conversation. So if a Christian's talking to somebody, he's not a Christian, you would be, you know, you feel like you run out of stuff to say or the conversation's not going well. So you just say, well, Jesus loves you or God loves you. That's kind of like the end thing. And it's like, ah, you know, you throw it on the table. Basically, what I want to talk about today is what does that mean? How do we know why? That kind of sounds like there's a big golden retriever in the sky or something who, you know, is loving us. What is what does that mean? Because um, we're pretty familiar with that statement, even the verse John through 16. Um, but I think it's crucial to the way that we understand who God is and why he loves us. Uh, There was this old Puritan named uh, John Owen, who was this old intense guy, lived in the 1600s, I think. He wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin, which makes him really intense. When's the last time you were caught reading that in a pub? Um, Anyways, he's a really, really brilliant guy, and he has this quote, and it says this, The greatest sorrow and burden that you can lay on the Father, the greatest unkindness you can do to him, is to not believe that he loves you, which is a really amazing statement, especially coming from a guy who wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin. So uh, my goal today is try to, just to try to explain that. Hopefully, if you're a Christian or not, um, by the time you leave today, if you see that on the back of a Rednecks pickup truck or on a billboard or at a Man U game, you'll have an idea of what that means when you see God loves you or Jesus loves you or something like that. Um, so with John 3.16 in mind, uh, we're going to think about the who, the why, and the kind of how we know questions of the love of the Father. So who? For God so loved the world. So what God is doing the loving? There's quite a few gods out there, aren't there? Um, first of all, it's the God who is revealed to us through the Bible. Uh, even more, it's the God who in the Old Testament was particularly in a relationship with the people of Israel who has told us that he's the one true living God. So it's the God of the Bible. So that verse is talking about, for God so loved the world. Um, But secondly, and most importantly, it's the God and Father of Jesus Christ. So listen to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. This specific God is known specifically through his one and only Son, who's Jesus. So Jesus would later say in the book that I and the Father are one, And whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So this God, for God so loved the world, is the God whose Son is Jesus Christ. Um, So to go back to the beginning, for God so loved the world. um, What kind of God is that? It's not like some impersonal force, you know, like the force from Star Wars or something. Um, It's a specific God who is revealed through the Bible and who's the Father of Jesus Christ. So that's who that verse is talking about. Okay, secondly, who is he loving? Why is God up in the world, and who is he loving? Okay? Um, God loves the world, for God so loved the world. What does that mean? He loves the planet Earth, or he loves the globe, or something? Um, yes, but not necessarily. This is actually where it gets good. Um, when Jesus says the world, in many ways it means human culture and civilization, but particularly emphasizes the bad parts that are in rebellion against God. So, for example, uh, later on in the book of John, in John 7, 7, Jesus says this, The world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. So the world is all of God's creation, and all of us, and every ounce of our crookedness, rebellion, or whatever. All of it. Um, think about all the horrible things that come on the news. Think about all the social and political unrest, and um, yeah, just all the, all the junk that we see that comes across our newspapers. Um, Think about the stuff that you've come into contact in your own life personally and the the pain that you've had in broken relationships or um, the cruelty you've experienced in your own life. That's the world. That's what that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, for God so loved the world, which is a pretty amazing thing that that's what he's loving. Um, The world is also all the beautiful stuff in life. uh, But when Jesus says that, it's particularly talking about the really uh, the broken parts of it. So. If the world is all of that, though, uh, the amazing part is that it actually includes you, and it includes me as well. So we're a part of that. It includes all the things that we've done. Uh, it includes all the times that you and I have been treated cruelly, and it includes all the times that we've treated others cruelly, which is a pretty amazing thing. So with that in mind, think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world. It includes all of us in this room right now. Um, but God is loving Everything that comes on the news and everything that comes across your newspaper, which is a pretty amazing thing. Why is the next question. So if the God, the father of Jesus Christ is loving the world, this unlovely place, why is he loving it? This is where it gets even better. God loves the world because of who he is, not because the world deserves to be loved. So let's say say that one more time. God loves the world because of who he is, not because the world deserves to be loved. The love of the Father flows out of his heart and out of his character, like a river flows from a fountainhead or something. It comes to us purely out of his good nature. God loves the world that he created because it is his creation, because he set his sights on it to love it, like somebody sets like a target on something. Um, even more, the Bible tells us over and over again why God does not love the world. In other words, we're told that God doesn't love the world because we've done something that's worth being loved or because he loves the people who are super spiritual or because he loves this kind of people or whatever. Uh, this is challenging for several reasons of why God loves the world. If you're the kind of person who thinks, um, I don't deserve to be loved, why would anyone love me? I can never be good enough or holy enough to deserve God's love. I've done too many things wrong. I've messed up too much or whatever. Um, I just don't deserve it. The answer, of course, is that you're right. But that's why it's so beautiful That's God love. that God's love is based on his character and not on what you do. That's an amazing thing to consider. Uh, no one, none of us in this room actually deserve the Father's love. But it's also a challenge to the to those of us who think we're pretty amazing. This is the camp I usually fall into. So those of us who think, um, of course God loves me. Why wouldn't he? You know, like obviously, you know. We just think we all deserve to be loved naturally. But that is completely false. Um no one is good enough to live up to the love of God. If you think that God's love depends on you and not God, then you will try to live your whole life living up to it, trying to earn it, trying to prove to God and to yourself that you do actually deserve it. But you won't ever actually do enough, you won't ever be good enough. Um so God's love doesn't depend on that. So let's think about John, John 3.16 again. For God so loved the world. Why? God loves the world because of who he is, not because the world deserves to be loved. Okay, so to summarize so far, uh, we have answered the who and why questions. The God and Father of Jesus Christ loves the rebellious and wicked world, which includes all of us, every single one of us in this room, not because we deserve it, Or because we did anything to make him love us, but because he is rich in love, he's wealthy in it, and he has set his love on the world. I hope that makes sense by this point. But if I walked up to you and told you that on the street, it would still sound like God talk. It would still sound like, you know, some thing up in the air that you can't really grasp. How would you come to believe that that's true? How would you come to feel it and to know it? That's actually the case, because this sounds like just an idea. To put it another way, you might want to ask me, okay, you weird American, prove it. Like, I could sit up here and tell you all day, God loves you, but what effect does that have on our lives? This is, I think, where a lot of Christian conversations end up. It ends up with people just saying, God loves you. And if you said why, they would just say, well, pray about it and you'll know. Like, you know, you'll have some spiritual experience and you'll know that God loves you. But I think this is the most amazing part about the Bible and about the God of the Bible and about the love of the Father. We can know it in the deepest part of our hearts because he's proven that love in actual life. It's not just an idea. We can know because God has told us and because he has shown us. Okay, how do we know? He's told us and he's shown us. First of all, we know God loves us because he's told us. Uh, in order to understand this, it'll help to have an example about love in our actual life. Okay, most of you know Jai. Uh, and I'd like you to imagine that Jai is about to take off, take the girl of his dreams on their first date. Okay? And if Jai does anything romantic, you know it's at least going to involve three things one being Whole City, one being Pi, and the other being Doctor Who. Okay? So Jai picks up this girl, and uh, it could involve more than that, but at least those three things. Uh, Jai picks up this girl. He takes her out to a Whole City game, okay? Whole City match, sorry. Um, it's amazing. I don't know who they're playing. They actually win. I'm not sure if Whole City's good or not. I doubt they are. Uh, but they go to this match. It's amazing. She, she leans over to Jai in the middle of the match and says, Jai, like this is the greatest match I've ever been to in my life. And Jai just smiles back at her and doesn't say anything. And she's kind of like, huh, that's kind of weird. So afterwards, they go to a pie shop. They go to a pub and get tons of puka pies and steak and ale pies, steak and kidney pies. It's amazing. And this is Jai's girlfriend, so she likes pies as well. And they're amazing pies. And she leans over during the dinner and says, Jai, these pies are delicious. And, And Jai just looks back at her and just... She just doesn't say anything. She's kind of like, okay, this guy's weird, first of all. Uh, then afterwards, they go watch, like, a massive Doctor Who marathon, and it's just amazing. Um, it's a fantastic date. Jai takes her home, drops her off at her house, and she says, man, I had a, a fantastic day. Thank you so much. And she just, and Jai just looks back at her and goes, and just doesn't say a word, okay? Besides the fact that she'll think that Jai's a freak by this point. Um, I hope you see the point. Words are massive, Words allow us to relate what we are feeling. So if we have love, we're experiencing it towards a friend or a family member or whatever. Words allow you to relate that love. That's why a Valentine's Day card with nothing on it is pathetic.? Okay? If Somebody just handed you a Valentine's Day card and didn't write on it, you'd be like, "This is rubbish." The first thing you do when you get a letter from somebody or you know, a card, is you open it up and you look and you assess how many words have been written, you know what I mean? Uh, anytime I get an email from a significant other, the first thing I do is to see how many words were written on it, you know, because if there's like two sentences, like what's this, you know, like there's no words. So God is not like that. This is where this is so cool. God has spoken to us and he's actually told us that he loves us. This is amazing. He has told us all over scripture that he loves us. And even in John 3, 16, think about it for God so loved the world it's interesting because there's a lot of people in England and America who just assume that God should be loving. That like, well, obviously I believe in a loving God, but we need to ask, how do you know that? Most of the time, people would just say, well, it's it's just you know, He just is. It's like, well, who told you that that God is loving? That'd be that'd be really bad if we just has, had to guess that God was loving, because it'd be like the girl on Jai's date just having to guess what in the world Jai's intentions were or why he was buying all these pies, whatever. God's not like that. He's told us that he loves us. Okay, words are amazing, and they mean a ton, but we all know that left on their own, they don't quite cut it. Another way you can put this is you can't just talk the talk, you have to walk the walk. Um, So let's go back to Jai and his fictional girlfriend. Let's say he comes up to her, and he says, uh, you, he's speaking this time, you are the most gorgeous girl in the world. You know, the first time I saw you, I fell in love with you. Um... I'm going to, you know, sell everything I have, you know, to buy you even more pies and Doctor Who seasons or whatever. Um, and then she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so flattered. You know, she's blushing all this stuff. And Jai's like, sweet. And then he walks off <laughs> and he never does anything. Uh, obviously, we, we all know that she would be kind of suspect about, you know, what what he was up to. So just like you can't fully understand actions without words. Words without deeds to back them up are pointless. We all know this to be true. You can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. And this is where the God of the Bible is different from every other God out there. He has demonstrated to us, actually demonstrated his love in real history, like real space and time. Listen to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that... He gave his one and only son. God loved the world so much that he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. This is where the rubber hits the road for everything. Here's another verse that explains it. Uh, this is 1 John, chapter 4, verses 9 to 10. Or if you're an American, you say 1 John, but, you know, that's here nor there. So 1 John, chapter 4, says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God has not just talked the talk. He has literally walked the walk, which is really crazy. About 2,000 years ago, in the small Israelite town of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ was born. He was a real guy. And it was then that the Bible tells us that God's love was made manifest. So in other words, an idea became reality, which is just bizarre to think about. And I think lots of times we just think that it's just an idea. God loves you. It's this big fluffy thing in the sky. See, God's love flows from his character, like we've already talked about. And we learn from the Bible that Jesus was the exact representation of his father's character, which means that everything that Jesus said and did was a perfect representation of the Father's love. Listen to some of Jesus' words from another part of the book of John. He said this, Very truly, I tell you, the Son, Jesus talking about himself, can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. This means that in actual real life, at an actual point in the history that you and I are a part of. So don't think it's an idea, think in the actual flow of human history. On the planet Earth in ancient Israel in a small outpost of the Roman Empire. God's love was perfectly and fully demonstrated in the person of Jesus Christ. So it became a human, it, it got legs in other words. Um, Jesus was an idea. He wasn't an idea. He was a person. You could have talked to him and touched him and all kinds of stuff. Um, But as good as that is, that's amazing. It actually gets even better, which is the cool part about Christianity. Um, All of this begs the question, if the actual person named Jesus, Carpenter, who lived way back when, was demonstrating to us the love of the Father, we need to ask the question, what kind of love was that? Listen to this verse from Romans 5. Um, This is God talking about how he's demonstrated his love again. So it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God demonstrated his love most fully when Jesus died on the cross. Um, See, the Bible understands that love is defined by sacrifice. Uh, And that's true for us as well. So think about Jai's girlfriend. Um, if he only did stuff, so let's see, he starts actually, you know, speaking and doing things at the same time, but he says, okay, we're going to go to the whole city match. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and she gets really excited about it. Um, but then his friends are like, Jai, let's go to the pub. And he's like, "Oh, we'll do it later, maybe next week. And she's like, oh man, that stinks. But tomorrow we get together and watch Dr. Who or something. And then it happens. And then he says, well, I'm kind of tired. I think I'm going to go sleep instead. Can we do it later? And she's like, ah, oh, Then tomorrow we'll, you know, we'll watch it again. And then the same thing happens the next night. He says, no, I'm actually going to go hang out with my mates. Um, She would start being suspect that Jai's love for her was genuine. You see what I mean? Because he was never willing to sacrifice other things for her. Here's another example. So in the States, um, we play baseball. Apparently it's a lot like rounders. It is a lot like cricket, actually. Anyways, uh, an American pastime is catch. Okay, So you, just, you you have a baseball glove, another guy has a baseball glove, and you just throw a ball back and forth. It sounds boring, but it's amazing. Uh, I think it's the equivalent of like a kickabout, right, where you just kind of get a football and go kick it around. It's that same concept, but it's especially good between sons and fathers, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and so I grew up playing catch with my dad. So my dad would come home after work, before dinner or whenever, and we would go on the front lawn and we would play catch. And it was great. Um, When I was about 20 years old, I found out that sometimes my dad would come home from work, um, play catch with me, we would have dinner, we would go to bed, and then sometimes he would go back to work because he had more to do. But he still came home every day and played catch, and I never even knew about that. Um, I was really floored by that when I found found that out, because that's my, my dad sacrificing lots of what he could have done to just come home and play catch with me. So that's the way that he showed his love for me, is in the, not in maybe just the stuff that he had bought me when I was growing up or where he took me, but the points where he actually was sacrificing things he wanted to do or needed to do so that he could do something as small as playing catch. The point is that, you know, someone really cares for you when they show you love that costs them something. This is how all great films and stories end up. Somebody dies to save somebody else. Um, you know, somebody steps in the place of somebody else or somebody gives up their career for the love of a girl or something like that. I mean, just go watch any film in theaters right now. That's most, all of them, how they understand that. We all know this instinctively to be true. And even listen to some of the words of Jesus. He said this, Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. And that is exactly what he did. Let's go back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. In other words, God loved the world so much that he gave up what was most dear to him, his Son. It would be one thing for God to tell us that he loves us. That would be amazing, which he did. It would be another thing for that love to become a reality in the person of Jesus Christ. That's also amazing. But it's another thing entirely. That the love of God drove Jesus to do what to most of us is unthinkable, to die on a cross. If you want to understand how deep and how wide and how rich the love of God is, you need to look at the cross. The love of God is not cheap talk. It's not just an idea. It's a love that bleeds. That's how we know that God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Okay, so God loves us, not because of anything we've done, but because of who he is. And we can be sure of that and actually know that because he has told us through his word and he has demonstrated, he's actually acted it out in real, real time and space through Jesus Christ, who was a real guy who lived 2,000 years ago. That's amazing. To wrap it up, it's always good to ask the so what question. Um, So what? First of all, and most of all, this means that God loves us. If you're a Christian, a lot of times um, you won't feel like God loves you. Maybe even if you're not a Christian, the same thing. If all this is true, then that means that there is actually a heavenly father who has told you and shown you through Jesus Christ that he loves you. That is a remarkable thing to consider. That kind of thing changes your life, actually. So like I said, if you're a Christian, you might not feel all the time like God loves you. I've been a Christian for a long time, and lots of times I wake up and I don't feel like anybody loves me, much less that there's a God who actually exists, um, much less some heavenly Father out there who loves me like that. I just don't. You know what I'm talking about, the days where you wake up and you put on the kettle and your life feels like a black hole. Um, I have a lot of those mornings, I think. But that's why this is awesome. Um, See, God's love doesn't depend on the way I feel or what I do. So even in those horrible dark moments, I can know God's love because he has told me and because Jesus Christ died and rose again. I don't have to worry that he might change or that I might screw up too much and he might remove that love from me. If God's love changed depending on the way I felt or what I did, That would be a horrifying thing. But the cross doesn't change and neither does God's word. So I don't have to worry. If you're an interested inquirer, if you're not yet a Christian, I would strongly encourage you to consider the fact that the God who created the heavens and the earth has told you and shown you that he loves you. Unlike anything else in the world and unlike any other religion, the God of the Bible has demonstrated his love in actual reality, in actual history. And that is proven by the blood of Jesus Christ. If the love of God is most perfectly and fully demonstrated in a real dude named Jesus Christ, who actually lived a couple thousand years ago, then why not continue to learn a little more about the things he said and the things he did? Um, But the love of God comes with a challenge. It's not weak love, and it's not just kind sympathy. It is not a golden retriever in the sky who's like lovey-dovey towards everybody. Um, it is rich, and once it breaks into your life, it begins to change everything. It would be one thing for me to say this morning, God loves you. Isn't that great? Now go in peace. Cool. Bacon buddies were awesome, which they were. Um, but the love of the Father comes with a challenge. Let's continue reading um, from John 3.16. If you want to put this back up, because I'm going to read that passage again. Is that going to take a long time or should I just go ahead? I'll just, yeah, there we go. Cool. All right, I'm just going to read this again. Um, So think about what we've been talking about, especially in the beginning of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Has been done in the sight of God. So here's the deal. If God loved us so much that he gave up his one and only son so that the world might be saved through him, then the challenge of God's love is to believe it and to accept it. That's the challenge. Think about Jai's girlfriend. Let's say Jai, all pistons start to fire, okay? He's speaking, he's doing, he's sacrificing, priorities, everything. It's the real deal. His love is is genuine and true. However, this girl would still have to embrace Jai's love for her and enter into a relationship with him to fully experience that love. Otherwise, it would be like saying, wow, this guy's pretty crazy about me, and he does love his pies, um, and then just walking off. Another word we have for that is rejection. That makes any sense. Even though that analogy isn't perfect, um, it helps us to get a picture of the challenge that God loves brings to each of us. Jesus tells us that we are all separated from the love of God because we have rejected it, just like Jai's girlfriend would have done in that example. We decide to live without it. And yet God sent his son that we might be restored back in a loving relationship with the father. But if Jesus has proven the love of God to the point of death and is offering to each of us right now in this room the opportunity to receive the love of the Father, which has the power to heal our deepest wounds and to forgive us whatever we've done, why on earth would we not want to embrace that love? Who would, who would, not, who would deny that? Um, Jesus tells us why in verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of the light, because their deeds were evil. In other words, we would rather live in darkness than in light. We would rather run our own life, regardless of how good or bad it is, rather than allow the love of God to take us over. We do this because we know God's love will fill us up and will change everything. It's kind of like this. Um, At my age, a lot of my friends are getting married, or are married, or got married in the past year. I missed like five weddings since I've been in England which is a good and a bad thing at the same time, I think. Um, but I've had a lot of conversations with friends who are dating girls and who are considering marrying them that uh, they've been dating for a long time. Um, and usually the idea of sacrifice always comes up. Usually my friends say something like this, man, dude, she's, she's great and gorgeous and amazing, and I know we'll go great together, and it would be perfect. Um, but I'm, I'm just not sure if I'm ready to make that leap yet. There's a lot more stuff I, I want to do in life. There's a lot more I want to you know, accomplish and see and go places and experience and all this kind of thing. So in other words, here's what my friends are saying. Um, they, they understand that they won't be able to just live for themselves 24-7 anymore. And in many cases, that is ridiculous because they are missing out on a marriage of love with an amazing girl because they are too concerned with loving themselves. Does that make sense? So they love being by themselves more than they would love sacrificing what they want to do in order to enter into relationship with this person. Uh, We do the same exact thing with God. It is a horrible thing to be separated from the love of God. And Jesus says that without it, we will all perish and be condemned. And yet so many of us are content to live in darkness rather than light. But Jesus would say, follow me, step into the light. Come and let your heart swell with the love of the Father that you have always wanted to conclude, if you 're a Christian, it is possible to live life and not embrace this truth. It's possible to come to church every day or maybe not every day. That would be really holy and pious. Uh, if you're like Gi I, you have to, which is. Oof. Um, but it's possible to come to church, do all that and never live like God loves you. We can end up trying to earn it. We just take off boxes. And we don't laugh and relish the fact that God has lavished his love on us. I do this all the time. We need to constantly remind ourselves and each other that God has shown us and told us that he loves us. And that should fuel our life like petrol fuels a car or something. If you're an interested inquirer and you're not a Christian, be restored to the love of God. Step from the darkness and into the light. Jesus came and died and rose again. So that could happen. Believe in Jesus and believe that He is from the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are not a God who is out there who is um, abstract and weird and just some idea that people who you know, sit around and read books all day talk about. We're so glad that you're not just an idea um but that you actually entered into reality that you demonstrated your love to the point of death and bloodshed that um you know what it's like to be human and that we have actually seen and experienced that love in real human existence we don't have to guess if you love us or not um and i pray that that would become a reality for all of us no matter what we're going through or thinking or experiencing all the hardship that we've brought into this room this morning um I pray that that love would enter into every part of our life and that we would um, accept it and embrace it. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.